This episode of the Music Stuff Show is brought to you by Dupe Loops, your weekly curated drum loop library. If you're writing music, building tracks, or programming beats, dupeloops.com is the place to start. They deliver 10 new drum loops directly to your inbox every Monday, so you can spend less time searching for the right sounds and more time making music. Each loop is always available in stereo and multi-track formats, always fresh, and they are never recycled. And for a limited time, they are offering a 7-day free trial period with every plan. So visit dupeloops.com, that's D-U-P-E-L-O-O-P-S.com, and start your free trial today to receive 10 new multi-track drum loops per week, every week. On this episode of the Music Stuff Show, we take a look at the role social media plays in your business. We discuss where you should start, what kind of content to prioritize, and a few general guidelines for getting the most from your efforts. Please enjoy this episode of the Music Stuff Show, being intentional about social media marketing. Hey, hey, welcome back to the Music Stuff Show, where we break down the business of music to help you build a career doing what you love. I'm Tom, and with me, as always, is Vance. Hi. What it do, baby? What it do. What's up, man? How you living? Man, I'm living the dream. I got a fresh cup of coffee here. It's the best way to live. My phone's on do not disturb. Therefore, my mind is at ease. That sounds like a win. Beautiful In, in every front. That reminds me. Did you know? <laughs> all swans in England belong to the queen. What? They belong to her. Seems like a little bit of government overreach. I don't know. <laughs> I just thought it was fascinating. That's incredible. I take she pride just... in the fact that I don't delve into any details of these facts. <laughs> I, take, I take pride in only having surface level information. I'm just trying to stimulate brainwaves. I think it's working. I'm trying to give people a reason to have to wonder and search for answers. There's going to be a whole Twitter account one day devoted specifically to debunking every fun fact from each episode of this show. Maybe that's what I should do. Start a, <laughs> There's the, all of the music stuff show accounts, but then we can have music stuff show thoughts. <laughs> oh, that's a good subreddit. Yeah. There we go. I like it. Done. Nailed it. Subreddit it is. What are we talking about today, Tom? Well, I think uh, mentioning Twitter and Reddit go uh, hand in hand with today's episode or this week's episode, I should say. Uh, which is how to be intentional about your social media marketing. Woo, woo, what? Marketing such a buzzword. Maybe we should say social media engagement. Mm. Uh, mm. Yeah. I mean, can I throw a curveball? I think straight should. out the gate. Do it. We didn't plan for this, but I, it popped into my mind and I think it's important to note. I think they're, uh, man, how to put this? They're... So many people, I fear, forget that there are human beings on the other side of the internets. <laughs> and I know that yeah. it's a silly thought to start out with, but I, I think it sets a tone for anything that we're going to say today. And I think a lot of people get hung up in check boxes or things that people told them they should post. And just so it's out there and get stuck in this weird advertising, I don't really know how to advertise, but now it's become spam because all I do is just like fling things at people. And I genuinely think people forget that the other side of the internet is a human being 
in the fact that the internet is a tool for relationships Mm -hmm. and all of these social platforms are tools to engage in those relationships. Uh, yeah, that was really the thought. I, I think that should be a <laughs> launching Dude, I think point. It's great. <laughs> I think it's awesome. You're, it's you're like a 17th century philosopher over here <laughs> uh, of of Twitter. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it should just set the tone because like anything we go from here is that you can always come back to the fact of, oh, how should I promote? How should I do these things? What should yeah. I be posting? Like, cool. What would you tell your friend? Right. What yeah. are we? What we're really talking about here is connecting with people. Yeah. Like, yeah. Just like we say this probably just about every episode at the end of the day, this is a business podcast and it's about how to build a career and a business. And that's going to revolve around making a reasonable amount of money so that you can sustain your business. Like at the end of the day, what are we talking about? How to earn revenue. Mm -hmm. And when it comes to marketing, we're talking about how to engage with people, how to have relationships with people. Like you're in the business of make every business is in the business of making money off of relationships with people. Yeah. That's really what it is. Yeah. They just successful ones are mutually beneficial where everybody wins. Yeah. Totally. You know, it's predicated on everyone winning. Mm-hmm. I, I think the most successful ones, you know, you can always nitpick and go find somebody. If you're just looking for an example of somebody that screwed somebody over, you know, and got away with it and mm-hmm. those people suck. But, uh, I don't think that, is the most common. I think that's more of an exception than a rule. And yeah. people that are hurt are a little bit louder than those that are happy with where they're at. Totally. And at the end of the day, the best business arrangements are built upon relationships where everybody involved wins. Yeah. Period. Yeah. <laughs> All right, cool. And thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs> that was uh, social media with oh, Vance Tom. Uh so yeah, I guess I, I want to I want to jump this thing off with a with an overarching overarching thought about uh, about social media. First of all, social media is just like the way the internet is now. It's not people think it's I don't know. I guess it's it's been around long enough to where it's people are stopped have stopped sort of thinking about it as this mythical new thing. It is just the way things are now. But but the thing I want to start with is. When you are thinking about how to approach your social media accounts, first of all, you should probably have a presence on at least the big ones, uh, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, Twitter, YouTube. You, you really should, as a musician or an artist, uh, have a presence on every one of those, and you should be posting to each of them regularly. Again, consistent quality content on every channel. Uh, but when it comes to setting up your profile, organizing your profile on every channel, I personally think it's important that your front facing image is the same across all platforms because like you need to have the same profile picture, same header, and it also should look the same as your website or landing page. The coloring, the images, all of that should be the same in my opinion. Like you, you don't see, um, Apple written in different fonts depending on where you look and you don't see the Apple logo in one place and then a different stylized Apple logo without the bite taken or out taken out in another place. It's it's the same Apple everywhere and it's Apple written in the same font everywhere. That's their brand, that's their logo. 
So no matter where you look for it, it's recognizable. And I think that you should be the same. It doesn't mean you can't update it. When you get new pictures taken, yeah, update your profile picture. Just make sure you update your profile picture on everything. Same for the header. Same for your bio. I think that your short descriptive bio on all your social media accounts should say, we are a band, period, whatever it says. But it should say, we are a band on everything. I just, I think it's important that no matter what your consumer base is looking for, no matter which channel you meet them on, they know that it's you and they know that it's the same you no matter where they go. What do you think? I think, I mean, do you disagree with any of that? Yes and no. Yes. I'm going to break it apart. Okay. Uh, In terms of your brand's image and theme, I completely agree. I think you don't want to give people a reason to not understand or have to think about things that they shouldn't have to think about. Yeah. Um, In the sense of if you have a different picture on every profile and for example, I'm Vance fight on everything. If I have a, even though you go to at Vance fight on every platform and that is me, if I have a different profile picture on every single platform, you then still have to check. Is this the real one? Mm -hmm. Is there another Vance fight? Whereas if it's the same thing, it's a very clear message of, I found the person I'm looking for. Yep. Um, and I think in term, just branding for what it is, you should have a general aesthetic to your artist, band, brand, whatever, you know, you're creating is mm-hmm. you're a DJ rapper, whoever, um, 100% believe that they should be able to go to every platform and immediately know this is this artist or band or person. Mm-hmm. In terms of should you be on everything, I think you should only be on everything if you do everything well. I think it is far greater to have a strong presence on maybe two social medias yeah. that you engage and engage well in um, and knock out of the park than to just park holding spots on, you know, five to 10 different things just to have them. Yeah. I think if you're starting out, you should have the names so that should you down the road choose to want to, you should reserve them for own them. Yeah. um, So that you have the ability if you decide that you want to go down that road. Uh, But I do think there's more value in doing two super, super well than doing five super okay. And part of that comes with, I look at social media as places for people to hang out online. And the same way that in real life, you do different things when you hang out in different places. Mm -hmm. If you go to a movie with your homies, you don't hang out the same way that if you guys go grab dinner or drinks, the same way that you don't hang out the same way if you go to a skate park, the same way that you don't hang out the same way if you go to the pool. You can still hang out with the same group of people at all of those different spots. I'm picturing us like in bathing suits on skateboards, eating a steak dinner in a movie theater right now. (laughs) Sounds like the dream. (laughs) That's the place I want to live. Why can't we hang out the same way? (laughs) The fantasy factory is real. Yeah. Um, 
But no, like you can hang out with the same people. You don't have the same conversation at those places. Right. You don't interact the same way at those spots. And that's okay because you want to do different things in different places. And I think the fastest way people trip up is treating all social media the same. You know, there's different expectations of how people want to engage on each platform, even if they're on all of these platforms. If you post the same photo on Facebook as Instagram, as Twitter, as whatever else, why should I go to any of the other ones? As soon as I see that happen a couple times, I start to learn, cool, I've seen everything I need to see on my favorite platform. There's not a reason for me to need to go engage on a different platform because it's all the same. So I'm just going to hang out on this one that's my favorite. Yeah. Whereas if you actively participate in the conversation, of that platform, there's a reason for me to go to your Facebook. There's a reason for me to go to Twitter and see what you're talking about. There's a reason for me to follow your Instagram because there's different kinds of information and content that I can gauge with on each one. Yeah. It's, it's not uh, dissimilar from just, they call them social media channels. It's the same as channels on the, on TV. Get news on one station and sports on the other. Oh, show. Sure. Yeah. Um, so what, uh, let's get into, get into content for, for kind of the big ones. I mean, what, what works well on, on each, each thing, or, or I guess let's back up for a second. Where should, where should a band or artist start? What's, what should they think about posting the most of when they first get started out with their social media presence? No matter what channel they're on, what should they start with? Visual content. Yeah. Which can be multiple things. Um, and can be on multiple platforms. So let's take my piece of it out for a second. Let's just argue and say that you're going to do all of them. Okay. Um you know, kind of going forward, if you only stick to a couple, you can consolidate where these pieces of information go to. But Mm -hmm. for the sake of argument, let's say that you're doing all of the top five options of what you can be doing. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously, YouTube is visual content. Yep. Which I think you should be making tons of constantly. I think you should have bought whatever camera your band or you as an artist can afford. Mm-hmm. Um, whether that's, you know, a hundred bucks or $10,000, like we keep talking about doing it and eventually we will gear. Doesn't matter. The storytelling does. Mm-hmm. Um, as long as it's not distracting, which yeah. everyone should be able to do. I would argue that probably, you know, 70 to 80% of people here, unless you just still have a razor uh, because you broke your iPhone. You know, if you have a current cell phone, you should be able to make visual content. I think if you're listening to this podcast, odds are you own a device that has a camera that is good enough. 100%. Yeah. Couldn't possibly agree more. Yeah. Um, So yeah, you don't have any excuses other than you just are scared and insecure and afraid it won't be good enough. But the only way it's going to be continue to get better is if you keep doing it. So you just got to like face it head on and go. Um, I 
am baffled that people put out songs that don't have music videos to them. <laughs> and I don't mean a single. I, yeah. I think if you put out a song, it should have a visual element. Even if it's just like a kaleidoscope effect for three and a half minutes. Something. Something. Yeah. Like, and not every single thing has to have some crazy, insane, huge production music video. Mm-hmm. But every song you put out should have visual content, probably in multiple ways. Like, yeah. Music video, a live video, live acoustic video. There are so many ways to repurpose the same song. And I've said this before on the show. I don't remember what episode it was, but the same way that whatever your favorite bands are, you've probably watched their single in 15, 20, 30 different videos of the same song because you wanted to see it live at this show, live at this award show, live at this event. And you've gone down the rabbit hole and Mm -hmm. watched the same song over and over and over again. Yep. And you as a band should be making as much visual content for that. And I would say primarily to YouTube, I would make an argument that that also has a home on Facebook. Um, yeah, especially now Facebook's gunning pretty hard for YouTube's user base. So I think getting ahead of the video content war and starting to post your YouTube quality content to Facebook as well is probably a smart move. I think, um, Twitter, so Twitter is a funny thing right now. I think Twitter (laughs) is sort of this dichotomy. Twitter is a teenager. It's going through the awkward years. It's, it's sort of awkward years, but it also is a a great platform in what it does. Like if you're trying to post photos and videos to Twitter, I think you're wasting your time and looking like a spam account. Yeah. Um, I think if you have it as a place for people to access you and have a conversation that you engage, um, I think that it can be powerful, especially as you have fans, you know, and people that meet you at shows that can be accessible without every person on God's earth having your phone number because that gets weird (laughs) at a certain point. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, So I think having the Twitter, participating in other people's conversations in a healthy way without being a dick, um, and having that accessibly, uh, meeting people where they are in their conversations, I think is a really important big ticket item that you just mentioned. Absolutely. Um, and I think it's a great place to do it. I think it's just like Tom said, and it's awkward years. So sometimes you kind of have to sift through and find those communities on there. But Mm -hmm. once you find the right kind of people to engage with, it's a powerful thing. Um, I think Instagram is huge, uh, obviously on the photo side, I think in terms of video, not necessarily doing the same videos that you're posting to YouTube. I think it's a great place uh, to have a never ending behind the scenes. Yeah, I think Instagram is a great behind the scenes opportunity. If if YouTube and Facebook are your your cleaner cut, more produ- produced content, video content, then Instagram is your behind the scenes look at it for sure. Yeah, I think like Facebook for sure is final cut. I think that uh YouTube has the capacity to be final cut and extended director's cut. Yeah. Of behind the scenes. Yeah. I, I think it's the kind of place where like you 
people will absolutely engage the DVD featurette. Yeah, absolutely. People will watch (laughs) 15 minute long videos. Yeah. Uh, you know, to kind of experience that like vlogging is huge. Mm -hmm. Um, and people love that. Like it, it gives a human element to something that most artists are constantly trying to put up a huge facade of like, I am this entity thing and everything's perfect and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but people want to engage with other humans and by kind of letting that wall down that allows them to experience that. Mm-hmm. Whereas I feel that uh, Instagram is kind of your photographer that's just hanging out in the room to where <laughs> yeah, they're snapping what's happening while you're actively engaging in it. You know, they're shooting the videos while you're in the studio. They're shooting, you know, little snippets. And it's definitely not a place for long content, mm-hmm. but having short little like teaser pieces or uh, things to get people excited. I think it's a, a great platform to tease upcoming stuff. Um, you know, you can't post the same thing 10 days in a row. <laughs> you're just saying like, oh, this song's coming in 10 days. And then the next day it's yeah. songs coming in nine days. But if, you know each day uh, leading up to something. And on day 10, here's one little snippet of your guitarist playing something that is alluding to something coming in 10 days. And, you know, then the next day it's like, Oh, here's your drummer playing something. And you can have all these different pieces that eventually make one picture. Mm -hmm. And then on the final day, be like, cool, this is out. The link to the videos in our bio, the song is wherever, you know? Um, I think it's a powerful tool for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think Instagram should always feel like the never ending behind the scenes. Yeah. Uh, who'd we forget? Twitter, Facebook, Snapchat. Instagram. Can I be honest? Yeah. I don't use Snapchat. I, I use it, but not heavily. I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a heavy lifting user on there by any means. Snapchat lost me when Instagram did stories. Yeah. <laughs> I think, and I'm pretty sure that Instagram did that on purpose. <laughs> yeah, it's no secret. Um, yeah, I think too. <clears throat> and to be fair, I'm not saying don't do Snapchat. I just don't have a lot of personal insights into it because to me, it doesn't serve a purpose that's not fulfilled by something else. I, I think Snapchat. Um, they have recently readjusted their algorithm. I believe. I- I find my my account I'm getting delivered more news style content uh especially in the stories area. Mm-hmm. Um it's it is a great place to engage almost in a comedic sense with your community. Uh the filters and the and the um the facial recognition stuff is always fun and funny to mm-hmm. To connect with somebody, especially if you're if you're somebody who has a, a sizable audience, mm, that's fair on there, and somebody's going to really get a kick. It's going to make their day to hear from you on Snapchat. That is what is it. It's an incredible tool for it. To just like send send a random fan a snap. Mm-hmm. Hey, what's up? So and so screen name and uh, you know thanks mm-hmm. for being my friend. Uh, you yeah. know whatever, and with a funny filter on your face, huge, huge for that. No, that's fair. I think. Uh... Sleep on it these days, but I can see the argument for it. Well, it's it can be it it can be tough. I think it's a tough place right now to build a following. I think what you're going to do, what you're going to find with Snapchat, is if you're trying to build a following, it's probably best for you to try to build it somewhere else and then port it over. Mm. Um, sort of like 
Twitter is you're going to try to build a following by engaging people where they are rather than saying, hey, everybody come follow me on Twitter. Mm -hmm. Because uh, Twitter, when you're nobody is like talking to yourself in a crowded room. Nobody else is listening to you. But if you talk to somebody else in a crowded room, maybe you'll get some other people listening to you, too. Uh, And I think Snapchat is similar in that sense. It doesn't have. It doesn't seem you can't just blast out a piece of content that you think is incredible and life changing and expect there to get for expect for there to be a buzz around it. Cause it doesn't work that way. It's not going to deliver it to people that have never heard of you. So that's the barrier there. You've got to, you have to engage, you have to have, I guess I would call it micro engagements with people who already connect with you. Mm. I think that's the best way to go about it. No, that's fair. Um, but one of the places I think that, 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 Snapchat story stories still wins over Instagram stories is that you don't, there is no follower count threshold mm-hmm. to attach a link to what you're doing on Snapchat. Mm-hmm. You have to get a 10,000 on Instagram to be able to attach a link to your stories mm-hmm. on Snapchat. You don't have to do that. You can have literally one person who, who checks your stories and you can, you know, send them a link at the bottom and they swipe up and they get right to it. That's fair. So I, I, I found that beneficial for me and what I do. If I, if I make a drum cover, I can't link to it on Instagram yet. Cause I'm not to 10,000, but on Snapchat, I can. That makes sense. I also think too, um, a couple of things kind of back to what I said at the beginning. If you're a band, I think it's way easier for each of you to cover one in the sense of it's yeah. way easier to cast that net and one person can be on Instagram doing stories. Another person can be on Snapchat at the exact same time when you're in the same place, kind of doing the silliness, like fun, filtered out sort of ridiculousness sort of deal. And somebody can, you know, control the YouTube and post the videos there. Like you can delegate that stuff to where if you're a solo artist, I think it's pretty daunting to actively have five things of, oh man, well, this was really cool. And I wanted to share this today well, how am I going to spin this five different ways so that it feels natural to its native environment? Um, so I definitely think if you're in the band side, you got the people to Snapchat thing for sure. makes sense to me. Yeah. Also, I think something people sleep on shifting back to Facebook is the power of groups where mm-hmm. you as an artist, as a band, having a page, you are constantly fighting algorithms that are ever changing and always just trying to stay on top and trying to find new ways to where Facebook is this incredibly powerful tool. If you can stay on it and Mm -hmm. stay ahead of whatever their algorithm is this week, then post the kind of content that resonates with that. Yeah. But if you have a group and whether that's, you know, your crazy fans that they have to do something special to join, that's just a direct sounding board that they can communicate with each other and communicate with you. You don't have to fight the algorithms like that can actively see everything that comes up if they engage in that group. Um, and it's just a powerful place to combine people to <laughs> be for one common cause. I think also, if you are starting out and trying to find other like-minded people in musicians or producers or rappers or fill in the blank of whatever kind of thing you're trying to connect with, there are so many groups out there based on whether it's global, based on whether it's whatever city you're in. If you're trying to find other musicians, 
uh, I, I think people underestimate the power of connecting with other people through Facebook. Mm -hmm. And I think that's actually one of its greatest assets um, when you participate in that and seek out the right kind of groups yeah. of like-minded folks to connect with even yeah. outside of fans. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's kind of like my, my biggest thoughts on most of those. What about you? What do you think about? I think, I think if you're going to start anywhere, um, you do what you want, you pick what you want to do. But my opinion is that if you're going to start anywhere, start with Instagram and Facebook for a couple of reasons. A, they play well together. No, they really do. And there's a lot to be said for eliminating the headache of cross posting and trying to check your metrics on different websites and all this stuff. Um, B, they have, they both have very large user bases. There's a big swath of people to connect with that's already there. They're proven. They're not going anywhere anytime soon. Uh, and C, I think there's a really good dichotomy between the two that allows you to explore several avenues of content styles all in essentially one place because Facebook owns Instagram. Um, like Vance said, you're not going to want to post the exact same thing to everything. Uh, he he mentioned that Instagram is a, a really good behind the scenes ongoing feed, whereas Facebook, especially with their new uh, competitive streak against YouTube, is a place where you can post your more polished uh, content. And I think Facebook's probably also a better place to post your uh your spoken uh, direct to your audience video content. Like if you want to sit down and just directly address your audience for some reason uh, to say, Hey, we have a show coming up, but in a video format, I think Facebook is the place to do that. Perhaps not Instagram, but you might want to post that to your Instagram story. So there's a lot of cross posting opportunities that don't compete with each other. And there's some opportunities for, uh, different styles of content simply between those two platforms that already play well together. And so I think if you're going to try to master anything out of the gate, I would recommend that you try to master Instagram and Facebook before you start spreading yourself too thin, getting into everything else. I rescind my initial thought and I agree with that. Yeah. If you're only going to start somewhere. Yeah. I would agree. Also something I kind of forgot about until you were talking, uh, not that people haven't started. I think this is the hardcore year of transitioning to uh, live videos and yeah. Facebook and Instagram are two platforms that do that well. Mm -hmm. um, and I think you've started to see artists kind of latch onto that mm -hmm. and people freak out when they do it. Like Brandon Yuri of uh, Panic at the Disco mm -hmm. is notorious for like hanging out for four hours while he's in his studio. <laughs> Just... <laughs> But people love it, dude, because he like just sits there and talks to his fans and yeah. just like sort of hangs out yeah. <laughs> while he's living his life. And somebody, you know, that is on the arena level, uh, that is chill enough to not be too cool to yeah. have a in the moment. Oh, there's not a chance to edit this before people see it. Yep. There's such an authenticity behind that. Yeah. That people love that stuff. Um See, I agree. I, I think Facebook and Instagram are definitely probably the best launching points. Yeah. And and I think that 
let's within those two platforms, if we break it down, if your Instagram feed is your ongoing behind the scenes with, with a little bit of polish to it. Um, like Vance said, you're earlier, your studio photographer, he's in there, she's in there. She's, you know, she's taking cool shots. He's making cool videos, but at the end of the day, they're behind the scenes. Um, <clears throat> then your, um, your stories, your Instagram stories, those are quick snapshots, raw, unedited content, funny, serious, whatever, just a quick throughout the day. Like you miss it and it's gone. It's a great way to maintain engagement. Um, moving over to Facebook, it's Facebook is a great place to have your edited content, your music video, your 15 minute featurette, uh, DVD commentary thing. Uh, you can have your direct uh, interview to the audience um, that's not live, but you can even take live video and transition it to uh, to that form of content. Um, you can also push from Instagram some of your behind the scenes content that maybe quote makes the cut. Uh, you wanted to live a little longer, maybe reach a little wider. Push that to Facebook. That's a great opportunity to to use the same content over again, but not uh, excessively uh, or every piece of content. And then getting into the live videos, you have, you're going to have a little bit different audience on each platform. So if you want to do your Instagram live, maybe that's a one version of a way to do it. And then you want to do your Facebook live. There's, there's a different version of how to do that. Um, maybe Facebook live is conversational. Maybe Instagram live is uh, more over the shoulder view of what's going on that day not necessarily talking to the camera. Uh, but those are, I mean, th- those are several different ways to approach uh, your audience on just two platforms that play well together. And then in within those two platforms, you have an opportunity for dialogue on your, on Instagram stories. If you want to go live on there, great opportunity for dialogue, which is what you're going to use Twitter for ultimately. But if you want to start in one place or two places, you can have that, those conversations there. Uh, you can have those conversations on Facebook Live. You can have those conversations in nested comments on Facebook or on Facebook Messenger is another great opportunity to connect with people. Uh, you can even go so far as to send and share files on Facebook Messenger. I've done that with clients. I've had clients send me files for drum sessions on Facebook. You meet them where they are. Um, and then once you've started to get... here, The beauty of this is once once you've started to get the hang of it, your systems get in place and... Uh, and we've talked about that before uh, in earlier episodes, getting your systems down, getting things set up to to be more fluid and sort of run themselves. Once you form that habit, then you can start exploring the next opportunities to maybe move into YouTube or maybe move into Twitter next or, or Snapchat, whichever your preference is. I also think, too, another thing that I remembered while we we're sitting here talking, a good, so the algorithms are a double-edged sword on Facebook. Because the part that's nice in having a news feed is that your content can immediately become evergreen content as long as it's good. Yeah. Um, and what I mean by that is you put out a new song and then you put out a music video to that song. And if the song is good and the music video is good, it's still going to be good six months from now. And hear me clearly when I say this, I don't say this as, post this every single day because that's not what I mean. But 
because it's algorithm driven, if you have a thousand fans on your Facebook page, a thousand people are not going to necessarily see that. And in fact, unless people actively engage in your post, I I think typically it's like 20% or something of your fans see it. And based on the initial 20% of those people that see it, then determines how many more people start to see this content pop up in their feed. Um, which is Facebook's way of quality control and trying to make sure that content that people want to see and want to engage with is what rises to the top. That being said, let's say that you're starting out and right now you have a thousand followers or fans on your page and you posted it and you maybe got like 200 views on that. And that was cool, but you guys are still going hard, been actively engaging, posting photos and videos and behind the scenes stuff. And you put out a couple new songs three months from now, okay, well, now you have 5,000 followers. You can repost that original music video, and now you have new life, new fans, new people that can start to see that, start Mm -hmm. to engage with it without it having to start on the ground floor at zero. Whereas you don't really have that freedom in YouTube since you can see every video you've ever done. There's no way to gain by reposting the same content. It constantly has to be new. Yeah. And so, again, not an everyday thing. You shouldn't post the same thing every week. But, and hear this for like the top 10% of your content, like the top 10 greatest things that you post that have longevity to them, you can bring those back once a quarter, once every six months, to where if you posted it in February, maybe sometime in the summer, you know, you're trying to build some hype around something else. So here's something to watch in the meantime. Oh, we're about to drop a new song while you're waiting. Here's the music video for this song. You know, it's coming in two weeks. Like it gives you a lot of ability to recycle information without it feeling spammy, without you just beating people over the head with the same thing, Mm -hmm. which is valuable. Yeah. I think, um, I think the next place, once you have got your, you've gotten your, uh, your Facebook and Instagram, unlock you're doing it well you're doing it consistently people are responding i personally think the next place you need to go is youtube as a as a musician mm-hmm. i just think that that's an important that you're you've already got you're going to go to snapchat and you're going to go to twitter for a deeper engagement with your audience but there's not as much of a a video audio elements there. And as a musician, obviously audio is the chief thing that you're trying to get across. So I think that moving into YouTube to simply for the fact that it's an audio video platform is the way to go. And it's also an opportunity to up your game, your polish on what you're doing. But at the same time, it is a great way to stay on top of your weekly or daily craft whatever your schedule is whatever your goals are 100 pieces of content a year whatever youtube is a great opportunity to post that acoustic video of the song you're working on and then at the end of the like the beginning of the month maybe you do that and then like the end of the month you're like here's the final version of that song i posted a month ago I think YouTube's a really cool place to do that. And then you can document that process as you go along 
with maybe a little bit um a little bit more polished content um in the form of just maybe like a quick intro or outro on what you're doing every time maybe an explanation through the process of creating the track and then you release the track at the end of the month so every week your viewership gets a, a look at where you are in the process of making this song and then you can take some of that content, maybe snippets from some of that content, and it goes to to Instagram. You get a little cross post there, but you're not beating up the same thing every time. Um, I I think that I think that YouTube is a good place for that version of telling a story and behind the scenes work because you get the payoff of the polished content at the end, and it delivers in such a way that if somebody misses it. They can go to your channel and they can say, Ooh, the last four videos have all have to do with this thing. I'm going to watch them right now. Mm. Boom, 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 boom. I'm caught up. Yeah. I think that's valuable. Yeah. Um, platforms aside, if I can sidestep for a minute. Yeah. Through all of these things, you know, between picking the platforms that are best for you where you can drive home the number one most important thing regardless of how you choose to tell your story what platform you tell your story on the types of content you post on these platforms the number one most important thing is quality content yes without quality content None of these things matter. 100%. And hear me when I say this, I don't mean that it has to be perfect, but it does have to be quality. And by that, I mean something that's valuable to your fans and followers, something that allows them to engage in a story. Nobody wants to sit there and watch you spam out, go buy my song on iTunes, go buy my song on (laughs) iTunes. Hey, can you guys go buy our album on iTunes? Hey, can you vote for us to win this local contest for a group that we've never heard of? Like, not that you can never, ever do those things. There is a time and a right way to have an ask, but... If that's what you're doing, it doesn't matter how often you post and how you say it. If all you're ever doing is asking, uh, no one's ever going to want to engage with that. But if you are telling the story of a journey and people are able to buy into that story and feel like they're coming along on that journey with you, everybody loves those stories. Everybody loves watching that. Everybody loves feeling like they knew it first. Yep. And being able to say, oh, I knew them back when X. Mm-hmm. He had 10 followers or whatever. And even Tom can attest to this. Consistently posting quality content will go farther. It's not the fastest way to gain followers. So know that. But buying followers is never going to actually help you succeed. No. Fake people, fake numbers, just for the sake of being able to show people big numbers. You know, unfortunately, you could get away with that five, seven years ago, back when no one had a clear way to (laughs) decipher value. Yeah, when there wasn't an engagement metric. (laughs) People know how it works now. 
Yeah. People know if you bought your followers, people know if they're fake or bots or, you know, just if you have 20,000 people and, you know, 13 people like your photo when you post it on Facebook, you're not fooling anybody. Nope. And so, yeah, it takes more patience, but having a thousand people that truly are into what you do, actively follow you and actively want to go on the journey of your story will go leaps and bounds farther than just trying to have showy big numbers. Because what that really says is you're not putting out things that people want to engage in. Mm -hmm. If you have to find ways and gimmicks to grow your audience, your content's not that exciting. Yeah. Your music's not that great. Your videos, your behind the scenes aren't really that special. And if your product's not that great, there's no reason to buy more followers because even if they were real, if the small group won't engage and people that are probably your friends and family and friends of friends that know your name and probably want you to succeed, (laughs) if they won't buy into it, Random thousands of people across the globe just to say that there's numbers aren't going to buy into that either. So go back to square one and focus on making awesome content. Yeah. You're, you're in the giving game on social media. You're, you're trying to give people stuff that they enjoy, something they like, something they want to interact with. Uh, constantly approach it like what can i give that is of value to my audience and then when i find something that is of value that i can give to them i need to make sure it is the highest quality of value that i can currently provide that doesn't mean like vance said and i want to stress this that it has to be perfect doesn't have to be perfect it shouldn't try you shouldn't try to make it perfect because when you do that you're never going to post anything and that's the complete opposite of what we're trying to encourage anyone to do but you want to make sure that it is something of value and it's the best quality of that value that you can provide at the time. Quality and storytelling. Yeah. Not quality in gear, not quality in pixels, not quality in plugins that you mm-hmm. stole from waves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Poor guys can't sell a plugin anymore. Um, the market beat them, man. They didn't adapt. But quality in the story that you tell uh you can post a cell phone video that's not edited that doesn't look like a movie so long as the story is engaging people will watch it and i know you know this is true because if you're honest with yourself think about the hundreds of videos you watch every week that pop up in your feed that are not great Mm -hmm. that are not fancy they're not in 4k They're just either genuinely funny, genuinely ridiculous, or really awesome and whatever. There's something that gravitates you towards that story, and it has nothing to do with the video quality. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Now, granted, you should always push yourself to do the best that you're currently able to, but never let that be a wall to deter you from hitting publish. Well, I would, I mean... I'm going to say I will argue this, but I don't think it's even an argument that's necessarily debatable. A good story, well told, with a poor visual element every time will win against a perfectly polished video 
that has nothing to say. Without question. You can make a pencil drawing with a story that is impactful, and it will get millions more views than a $200 million budget movie clip from a film that makes no discernible sense. (laughs) Yep. It's just the truth. And I think to that end, I think the only people, the only thing that people like more than, than seeing or watching a story is being involved in that story, Mm. having a part to play in that story, feeling like they're an element, a crucial element. And that like, that's what you're getting out of the engagement with your user base, with your friends, your community surrounding your music. If you can get them engaged in the story, that's where the behind the scenes documenting really comes into play. Mm-hmm. Get them as a part of that story. Oh man, they're in for life, dude. Absolutely. Like I, a band that I love, if they can get me engaged in the story along for the ride, dude, I'm in yep. all the way until the end. Yeah. And, and it's unfortunate too, because I, I think so many artists start once you start being an artist or being a band or rapper, DJ, whatever you start comparing yourself to whatever the highest person in your category is. You compare yourself to the Justin Timberlake's our couch is still warm. Don't forget, bud. We're waiting on you and the Tennessee kids. <laughs> um, the Taylor Swift's, you know, fill in your blank of whoever that is you start comparing yourself to those people. But if you're honest with yourself, before you get into the game of playing music, you probably just loved music. Mm -hmm. And there are probably tons of bands that you grew up on or started listening to that you watched all these terrible videos that weren't great, but they did it. And you loved every single second of it. Yep. But as soon as you start trying to be your own artist, you act like that's not true anymore just Mm -hmm. because you are trying to be this huge thing. Whereas if you kind of let yourself reflect a little bit and be honest about the fact of, man, I actually really did love it when XYZ artists used to do this before they made it or on their way to making it or when they, you know, were still on that indie level because I just loved seeing their journey. Yeah. And now they tour arenas or globes or whatever you know and think about too many bands or artists that you that may be big now that that maybe you have known for a long time before they were big when did you fall in love with that artist you probably fell in love with that band or artist when they really didn't have much to show they were super vulnerable and open and you got to see what was going on it from the beginning or near the beginning and you maintain your rabid fandom because you got to watch and be a part of every stage of that growth. A little bit better each time, a little bit better record, a little bit better music video, mm-hmm. a little bit more behind the scenes content. Ooh, the camera, for some reason it looks nicer. They got a new camera. The reason all of that means something to you is because you were there when it sucked. Yeah. So don't be afraid to suck and show the people now that, oh, I really don't know what I'm doing when it comes to video content. I I posted a drum video uh, a year and a half ago. It was dark. It was out of focus. My head was cut off. It popped up on my timeline the other day, and I watched (laughs) it again. And it, dude, it's freaking terrible. It's horrible. The audio is not even good. I'm Mm -hmm. just like, but I posted and I said, getting into the world of video, 
Can anybody offer some insight? And of course, people gave me a slew of information. Many people were so nice to help out, but it was all stuff I didn't know. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it now is really obvious looking back, but I didn't know it then. Yeah. I looked at that video and then I looked at the most recent video I've done and it's night and day. Yeah. But in between there, I've posted hundreds of videos yeah. between that video and the one now, all incrementally a little bit better to get to where I am now. And hopefully a year from now, I'll look at what I'm posting now and be like, oh, wow, it's even better. For but, sure. But I have this satisfaction personally from what I do with the content I make now because I have the older content is something to look back on for myself. And that's just a selfish joy that I have. Yeah. Imagine how it feels for somebody else to be able to follow along as a part of that too. Dude, I'll take it a step further. Find me somebody that doesn't have a dad or a friend's dad or somebody in the dad age that they know that doesn't love on a regular basis to bring up that story of back when I saw Journey, when they were in XYZ Club, man, I saw Rolling Stones before they ever blew up and then they dropped whatever single and it was huge. I had a, this was a couple years ago, I had this lady tell me, she's an older lady, from England, and she told me this amazing story about how she was at this pub one night with a band on, and through the course of the story, she later reveals they it was a small club, it was not many people, the band wanted to hang out after the show, I think one of the band members thought she was pretty, invited her backstage, it was the Beatles, <laughs> and this was her story. <laughs> she, I, I mean, she told me that story, I was, I was a relative stranger to her, there's no telling how many other people she's told that story. And it's a great story. Yeah. Well, and even to that point, think how small the story can be as long as there's a connection for it to be such a monumental thing. Mm -hmm. For example, when I had to be in high school, it was the first girlfriend I ever had. Her mom, I don't even remember how this came up, had like been uh, in Europe or something for some sort of trip. Mm -hmm. and ended up hanging at the bar and met some guys that were in a band and she was a mom, didn't care, didn't really know who they were mm-hmm. and was casually like, Oh, well that's cool. Like what's the name of your band? <laughs> <laughs> what's the name of your band? The name of their band was the killers. <laughs> <laughs> and to me, like, especially in that day and age, the killers were like a monumental band for mm-hmm. me growing up. And the fact that my girlfriend's mom met them for half a second at yeah. a bar in England. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in their hotel. Like that was the story. Yeah. They said, Damn. Hey, oh, you're in a band. That's cool. <laughs> What's the name of your band? But to my teenage self, I was like, You met these people? <laughs> mm-hmm. And I, I think the older we get, you know, the more we try and force ourselves into these crazy standards. We forget the power of a genuine connection, no matter how small it is. Yeah. And well put. Yeah. (laughs) That's, I think we have to end on that. That's a great, (laughs) that's a great quote. I want to put that on a t-shirt somewhere. (sighs) We forget the power of a genuine connection, no matter how small it is. Perfect. (laughs) Mic drop. (laughs) And that is what (laughs) engaging on social media is all about. Yeah. So people are humans, even if they're digitally behind keyboards and you should communicate with them as such. 
value that connection, treat them as people that you care about. Yeah. Because they, if they are real fans and people that invest in you are truly the reason you can have a career yeah. and without them investing into what you create, you can't exist and they deserve to be treated as awesome as they are. Yep. Amen. See you guys next Thursday. Thanks for listening. Hey guys, thanks again for listening to the show today. As always, you can find show notes and links from our episode on our website at themusicstuffshow.com. Also, please, please, please uh, connect with us if there's ever any questions, any ways that we can help. You can find us all over social media at Music Stuff Show. You can also find myself and Tom personally all over the interwebs. I am at V-A-N-C-E-F-I-T-E, and Tom is at T-O-M-D-U-P-R-E-E-I-I-I. All over social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, anywhere you want to connect. uh, The show is here for you, so any way that we can make your life a little bit better and get you closer to your dreams of your career in the music industry, we want to be a part of. We'll see you guys next Thursday.